New Year's is a time when people tend to think about making changes in their lives. It doesn't have to, we can do it at any time, but it just, it just works out. It's a rhythm. It's kind of a tradition. But here's the truth, friends. Any time that we give ourselves permission to imagine the future differently than the past or even the present, that is a good thing. Anytime we give ourselves permission to imagine the future differently, that is hope. Will you give yourself permission to imagine the future differently? All right, three of us are going to do that. If you can look through the lens of faith and then take a step toward what you see, if you can look through the lens of faith and then take a step, at least one step, just take the first step toward what you see, then almost anything is possible. This morning, I want to encourage you to look through the lens of faith and then ask yourself what can be. And then having seen what can be, take the first step to make it so. Every year we read this story, uh, the, the images that go along with it are on the PowerPoint. This is the story called The Spyglass. A story, here's the, here's the, the gives a, this is the, the spoiler alert, it's a story of faith. That's the subtitle, A Story of Faith. Somebody said faith? faith. Once there was a great kingdom. This kingdom was known throughout all the lands for its splendor, its magnificent buildings, its great terraced gardens and bountiful farms. But through time, all that changed. Now, the once great buildings were falling down and in need of much repair. The farms were now small and did not grow enough food for the kingdom. The poor villagers would oftentimes go hungry. The people of this kingdom were not just poor by way of things, they were poor of spirit, for there was not much joy in the village. Rarely was music heard. Worst of all, people had forgotten why their kingdom was once great. The king of this land did not look as you might expect a king to look, for he did not have a magnificent throne or flowing robes or a golden crown inlaid with precious gems. He was the king of a poor kingdom, so he looked quite ordinary and poor himself. His castle was always cold and in need of repair. He did not entertain kings of other lands, for he was greatly ashamed of his kingdom. To the east of this unhappy land was a beautiful kingdom with great farms and glorious cathedrals and castles. There were lovely gardens adorned with fine sculptures and sparkling fountains. Night and day, the breeze from the city walls carried the most exquisite music and enticing sense of perfume as well as the smell of delicacies, for there was an abundance of food in that land. It made the people even more unhappy to look upon the wealth of their neighbors, for despite their poverty, the people prided themselves on, on once having been a great kingdom. The king did not often leave his castle, for 
He was weary of the complaints of his subjects. One day he sat down to a meager dinner of bread and cheese and boiled mutton, and there came a knock on the castle door. The king's servant opened the door to find an old man with a large oak walking stick. The man wore a cap and a girdle and a coarse woolen tunic. A large cloak of skins was draped over his shoulders. He was carrying a leather canister which hung from his shoulder by straps. Hail, said the man. I am but passing through your kingdom to the village to the east. I am looking for an inn to spend the night. The servant frowned. This is not an inn. This is the king's castle. The the traveler looked around in surprise. This is not much of a castle, he said. I, the servant, agreed. Still, I am weary from my journey, and I would like to rest here. You must inquire of my lord, the servant said. Lead me to him, said the traveler. The servant led the traveler down a dark, cold hallway to the king's dining room. The king looked up from his meal as the man entered. You are the king of this land, the man asked. I am. You don't look like a king. The king frowned. I am the king of a poor kingdom. Our farms do not grow, our buildings are falling down, and my people weary me day and night with their complaints. That's good leadership, isn't it? (laughs) To, To memorize and rehearse the problems. We were once a great kingdom, but all that has changed. The traveler nodded slowly. Why do you not change back? He asked. Change, the king replied angrily. We have tried to change, only to fail. We lack all the knowledge of what once made this kingdom great. You lack but one thing, said the traveler. If you will give me supper and lodging for the night, I will on the morrow show you why you fail. The king looked at him thoughtfully and said, motioning to the platters of bread, cheese and meat, eat your fill. The servant brought in a wooden platter, and the old man ate with the king. When the traveler had finished his meal, the servant led him to a room, and that night as the king lay in his bed, he wondered if the stranger had tricked him. The next morning, the traveler came to the king in his throne room and said, You have lived up to your part of the bargain. Now I will live up to mine. Follow me. The king followed the traveler to the castle balcony, and there the old man brought out a long, rustic container and pulled pulled from it a brass tube with a sewn leather cover. A spyglass. He raised the spyglass and looked over the land until a a smile crossed his face. He handed the spyglass to the king and said, Look thither. Everybody say, Look thither. (laughs) The king looked through the spyglass. He could see gardens and farms and magnificent castles and a cathedral. He lowered the spyglass and said impatiently, I have seen the wonders of the eastern kingdom. I hear far too much from them. You are mistaken, said he. It is your own kingdom, you see. 
The king raised the spyglass again. This time he recognized the hills and the glens of his own kingdom. But where there had been barren pasture, there were now fields of grain stretching as far as the eye could see. His own people were in the fields, their wagons overflowing with harvest. You are a wizard, said the king. It's a trick of the glass. It's no trick. But when the king put down the glass, his kingdom looked the same as it did before. Nothing has changed, he said. No, said the traveler, change requires work. But one must first see before doing. The king raised the glass. What greatness this kingdom holds. The traveler responded, you have seen what might be. Now go and make it so. After two harvests, I will return from my spyglass. The king on horseback went out into his kingdom. He rode until he came to the edge of a once beautiful garden, now overrun with weeds and thistles. No one walked in the garden. There was the, a group of villagers were standing outside of its fence. Their children played at, uh, at their feet in the dirty roadway. Why do you not use the garden, the king asked them. It's not fit, sire, replied a woman. So it is not, agreed the king, but it could be. Look, and the king held out the spyglass. One, one by one, the villagers looked through the tube at the garden, and the weeds and the thistles were gone, and the lawns were lush and inviting. But when they set down the glass, the garden had returned to its overgrown state. It's an amusing device, said one man, but it's of no use. No use indeed, said the king. Behold, knave. And he went down to the garden and began to pull the weeds up by his own hand. When the villagers saw what he was doing, they too began to pull up weeds until they had uncovered a large marble statue of an angel. Its wings spread, its face looking toward heaven. The people stared at the statue in awe. At length, the king mounted his horse. Before he left, he said, you have seen what might be. Now go, make it so. The king rode further down the road until he came to a farmer sitting on the ground, threshing grain with a small flail. How goes it, man? The king asked. The weary, the weary farmer barely looked up. Can't grow e'en enough to feed ourselves, sire, the farmer sadly replied. The king lifted the spyglass from his coat. Come hither, good man. Look thither. The farmer lifted the eyepiece to his eye, his eye and gasped. It's sorcery. You have seen what might be, said the king. Now go and make it so. Farther down, the king came to a crumbling cathedral. The roof had rotted and fallen in. It was no longer safe to enter its arched doors. There were tents pitched outside where a small congregation had gathered. The king rode his horse up to the tent. The friar who stood before the people stopped speaking at his reproach. All turned to see the king. Why do you meet in tents, the king asked. Why, sire, our, our cathedral has fallen. Why have you not rebuilt it? The friar opened his arms to his congregation. We are few in number and poor. 
the king replied, have you shown your congregation what could be? The friar looked quizzically at the king and said, what might that be? See for yourself, said the king, handing him the spyglass. The, the, the friar looked through it and saw a new cathedral, larger than the decaying building and more elaborate, adorned with beautiful sculptures and saints and cherubs. The friar stared in awe. By the grace of God, he said, I have seen a vision. You have seen what might be, said the king. Now go and make it so. Day by day, the king went out until he had visited all the people of his kingdom and showed them what might be. There were those who would not look through the glass. There were those who refused to believe what they saw. But the greater part of the villagers looked with wonder and with hope. That same year, there was a plentiful harvest. The farmers filled their wagons and their barns with grain. Not just the farmers prospered, the wagon builders were busy building wagons to carry all the grain. The millers were busy milling the grain into flour. For the first time, for as long as the villagers could remember, there was more than enough to eat. Music and dancing filled the streets. Old buildings were repaired. New buildings arose, including the beginning of the most majestic cathedral in the land. Hint, hint. As promised, two harvests later, the traveler returned to the kingdom. He almost did not recognize the castle, for so, so, so greatly had it changed. The old wooden door he had once knocked on was now intricately carved. Beautiful tapestries adorned, now polished marble floors. The castle's once cold chambers were worn with heat and music. The king was attended to by a bevy of servants and maids. The king, dressed in lavish robes of fur and silk, warmly welcomed the old man. My friend, he said, I've awaited your return. Look what prosperity your spyglass has brought my people. Let us make merry and prepare a great feast in your honor. <laughs> the traveler replied, You have done well, but I cannot tarry. I have only, only come for my spyglass, and then I'll be on my way. At this the king frowned. In the two seasons, since you blessed us with your arrival, we have accumulated much treasure. In exchange for the spyglass, I will trade you all the gold in the royal coffers with men and wagons to carry it wherever your destination. You have spoken wisely, said the traveler, for the gift of the spyglass is worth more than all the gold and all the royal coffers all throughout the land. But keep your gold. You no longer need the spyglass. But there is still much to be done. Somebody said amen. There is still much to be done, pleaded the king. Yes, said the old man, but you no longer need the spyglass. You can see without it. How is it possible, asked the king. The spyglass only showed you what could be if you believed. For it was only faith that you and your people lacked. The king shook his head in disbelief. How can this be? Faith is foolishness. So says the fool, said the traveler. Faith is the beginning of all journeys. It is by faith that the seed is planted. 
It is by faith that the foundation is dug. It is by faith that each book is penned and each song is written. Only with faith can we see which is not but can be. The eye of faith is greater than the natural eye, for the natural eye only sees a portion of truth. The eye of faith sees without bonds or limits. I had not supposed, said the king, and that is why you once failed, said the traveler. But faith is why you now succeed. He placed his hands on the king's shoulder and said with a smile, you have seen what might be. Now go and make it so. And although the traveler and his spyglass were never seen again in the land, the kingdom continued to prosper and became again the great kingdom of old. Yet despite their abundance of food, their beautiful buildings, their lush gardens and majestic cathedral, it was after that said of that kingdom that their greatest treasure was their faith. Faith lets me see what can be. Faith lets me see what can be. Faith in the Bible most, most commonly originally really begins with the story of Abraham. He's called the, the father of faith or the father of the faithful. In Genesis 12, God initiates a covenant with Abraham. You'll read that this week in your one-year Bibles. And Paul describes this interaction between Paul, uh, between Abraham and the Lord in the book of Romans, chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Paul writes, against all hope. That means when all hope was against him, when there was no evidence, no reason for hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. He believed in spite of what was against him. The evidence was against him, but he believed in spite of it. Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became. You can't miss that, that Abraham believed and so became. He became what he believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. In other words, he believed because there was a promise given. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. God had the power to do what he had promised. Every covenant has a promise. Paul tells us that Abraham looked at what was. He saw the fact that he was 100 years old. He saw that his wife was no spring chicken. In fact, she'd always been barren. He took an honest look at what was, but he didn't stop there. Faith is not fear of facts. Rather, faith is the substance of hope in the face of facts. The writer of Hebrews claims that faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. You don't need faith for what you can see. Faith is the evidence of we don't, what we don't see yet. Faith is the assurance of things we hope for. It is the convictions of things we don't see. Oftentimes, you and I, we don't have a frame of reference for hope. We, we, because we have not seen something different or we cannot see something different, 
other than the way it has been. Perhaps for some it's been this way so long that we no longer know how it could look any other way. But faith looks. Faith searches not the circumstance of our life. It doesn't look at what has been. It doesn't look at the, the failures of others. It doesn't. Faith uniquely searches the storehouses of the promises of God. Abraham could have looked around and said that nobody else is having kids at 100 years old. Why would I have any hope? He didn't look around at his life. He didn't compare himself to others and get counsel from others' failures or others' despair or others' negativity. Abraham looked and beheld the promise of God. So shall your offspring be, the Lord said. And so he didn't waver. He simply believed that God, that regardless of whatever else was happening around him, God had the power to do what he promised. And faith searches the storehouses of the promises of God, and there it faith finds hope. Faith goes shopping in the storehouse, the warehouse of God's promises. Abraham looked at what was, and then by faith he saw what could be. He was persuaded that God had the power to do what he'd promised. God said, look up into this, the Lord told Abraham, look up into the sky and see if you can count the stars. That is looking thither. By faith, you and I do the same. We look through the lens of faith at what can be. We look thither. Somebody shout, look thither. Look thither. <laughs> it's so funny. I'll say this I'll the same joke every year. But I said that one year, and someone thought I said, look thinner. <laughs> and if that's, what you, if that's your faith, go for it. But look thither. The f- Let faith give substance to your hope. Let faith give traction. Let faith become a grip, a leverage for you to lay hold of hope. Let faith become the evidence of what is not yet seen. Let faith push away the debris of doubt and discouragement. Friends, you may have been looking, but I'll say it again this year. Keep looking. Never look down. Never look back. Look thither. For Heritage Church, we have, we have seen so many great things. My Lord, has He been faithful. God has done so much, so good. We've come so far in a very short amount of time. You guys have done so much. I was looking around at this room, and I said, Lord, this is, I don't even do this stuff. I just read the Bible. Look at all of these things that people have done. I think about my workers. I think about Jay. I think about my staff. I think about people that have worked hard to make these happens and Mike and the builders. Lord, I don't do this stuff. I don't even change my own oil, but look what you've done. <laughs> look at that parking lot. It used to be gravel and mud puddles and gross, and now it's beautiful. It's awesome. There's so many great things. There's so many great things. Tens of thousands of dollars on bathrooms. I forgot that there used to be a storage closet and half a classroom that caught up with the, our bathrooms all the way to the ground. So much the Lord has done. So much the Lord has done. We know last year we, we had to, we, not only did we, we used to stick some of these padded chairs in the, in the hallway, and then not only did we pull them out of the hallway, last year we bought 50 more padded chairs. And we've crammed everywhere. Fourth of July, was second service, our, our fish fried, we had to cram more chairs in here. We had over, th- over 300 adults in one service. Easy, we could handle it. He said, I think we could do more. And he doesn't talk like that. He doesn't he like to, he usually tells me, you know, you know but he, it, <laughs> he says, we could do more. I said, great, let's do more. 
The Lord has been with us, but friends, it's while we, we look backward with gratitude, but we look thither with faith. We look thither with faith. There is more for us to be. There's more for us to do. There's so much more happening, and we need to lift up the lens of faith and say, Lord, what can be? A year or so ago, there was, uh, there was 50, 60 or something kids in the kids, in the kids registration area. And we said, we want to have 100 kids in the registered by Easter. Kara blew through that. Now we've got over 200 kids in the registration thing. Listen, we want to see more. Look thither. There's a whole county that needs Jesus. There are people that need miracles. There are people that need blessing. There are people that need breakthrough. Jesus Christ is Lord. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the people. He deserves all the breakthrough. He's looking. He's coming for one thing. Luke, the gospel of Luke says, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's looking for somebody who's looking thither. What about you? What can you see? Today, when you, can you ask by faith, what can be? When you look through the spyglass at your own life, When you look through the spyglass at your own life, what can you see? Hold that. We know you might, we give thanks for what God has done. We give thanks for where, where he's taken us. And for some of us, oftentimes, the, the road we've traveled so far could be one that might feed discouragement. But hold that spyglass today. What can you see by faith? What can you see with your family? I mean, it takes a big spyglass. Brian was... Well, he's, he was. Brian was robbed. Robbed. Should have had 20 more full years with his father being a grandfather to his children. So what do you do? You just... Nope. You get that spyglass out and you begin to visualize not only you being a father to young children, but you have changed what it means to be a Saul Wasser. And now you're gonna, you're gonna, your generations, there's gonna be more. You need to, you'll see. Look at, hold that, because you'll see. There's blessing, there's blessing and prosperity in your line. There's increase in your line. There's gonna, there's lots coming because there's gonna be, there's lots of kids. There's kids and kids and kids everywhere. I'm not saying necessarily more, but I mean, <laughs> but, but Lord, let it be. But I'm fine with that. She gives it. Julie gave it back. She said, give that back to him. <laughs> what I mean is people calling you grandpa. And them saying, we can't wait till you know, Grandpa Brian comes. And the, the strength and the wisdom and the joy. I'll wager that you'll have slideshows. I'll let you. Your families, oh, I, I don't have time. It's already 1042. I, I, I just, there's such a, there's such a prof, 
prophetic voice right now just bubbling over, but I, I want you to begin thinking, seeing through the lens of faith. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like what is. It looks like what can be. Whoa. Ray. The Lord has been good to you. You're a good father and a good husband, and you've got great kids. But, Ray, there's a lens of faith you know, you the, the promises of God that you steward, that you hold on to, that you nourish, that you pray over. You keep looking. You keep looking thither, Ray. There's so much more. Well, there's so much more. I want you to think about through the lens of faith. Think about your family or your finances. Think about unfinished projects. Think about unresolved conflicts. It doesn't have to stay broken. Think about things that you have long written off as impossible or improbable. It is time to dust off some dreams. Faith, having seen what can be, cannot be satisfied by what is. Hope is dangerous. Hope is dangerous. It disturbs the status quo. How many want to be intoxicated by hope? <laughs> Lift up your eyes. Look thither. Look longer. Look, look further. What can you see? And then go and make it so. We're about ready to land this today, so don't get too nervous. Because, because faith lets me see, faith then leads me to act. Because faith lets me see, faith leads me to act. Faith doesn't make believe. Faith makes things happen. For faith to move mountains, faith has to get moving. James wrote in James chapter 2, verse 17, that, that faith without works is dead. That means faith always has to move us to partner with God. Faith doesn't sedate us, it awakens us, it inspires us. Faith acts, it works, it partners with God. Remember that Bonhoeffer said, only the obedient believe. When James also wrote about Abraham's faith, he noted that Abraham's faith led him to action. James 2.22 says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. In the same way, you and I, when we see what, what, when we by faith see what can be, you and I are inspired, we are awakened to cooperate with God to make it so. By faith, we trust his power and promise. By faith, we see what can be. And then by faith, we take the Next step. Someone say the next step. next step. Now this is where many people get discouraged or they fall short. They just don't, they, they imagine, but they don't take the next step. We take the next step. We do the thing right in front of us. Otherwise, what we have seen is just fantasy. But faith makes things happen. Faith promotes real change. Faith acts. Faith gets out of the boat. Faith takes steps. Now, you may not know all the steps you need to take. You may not, you, you probably will never actually see the road laid out in toto before you. But here's the good news. We not only see by faith, we walk by faith. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning having seen what can be by faith, all you need to do is take the very next step. Having seen what can be, go and make it so. What do you believe? What can you see? What will you do first? What do you believe? What can you see? And what will you do next? Those are just some follow-up questions on the back of your insert this morning. You can just look at those. What do you believe? What do you see? What will you do? Let's stand together. I've gone long and late this morning. So let me just pray over you now. I'll say it again. What do you believe? Will you search the storehouses of the promises of God? Will you let the promises of God lift up your eyes with fresh hope? Will you look through the lens of faith at your life? At this house, begin to imagine by faith what can be. And then having seen what can be, go and make it so. Look thither in the year ahead. Now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your Holy Spirit just seize our hearts, fill us with confidence, fill us with faith. Give us the faith to take the next step, Lord, in Jesus' name.